0: Welcome to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What's going on, Todd? Hey, Corey. All right. We had some really interesting news this week. Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes announced Friday that he will not seek re election next year. In his speech, he said he addressed his relationship with Tim Ballard, saying that he's apologized. Reyes has apologized to the women who are allegedly sexually harassed and assaulted by Ballard. Reyes said, after hearing their stories in person, I believe them and I'm heartbroken for what they've endured and the trauma they will face their entire lives. He said, after much prayer and reflection, he's decided to return to his law practice. So, we have Derek Brown, former chair of uh, the state Republican Party, worked for Mike Lee, been a representative in the legislature. We talked about him a week or two ago. And uh so Dan McKay also is uh said that he's taken a hard look at it. Todd, what do you think about this resignation and and who else jumps in?
1: Well, I don't know if it's a resignation. Uh and yeah, you know,
0: well, I get you're right. He's not resigning. He's gonna finish term. So yeah, he's been
1: elected me. three or four times, depending on how you how you count it. Um I think this is the right move for for, for Attorney General Reyes and his family. I think um he's gonna continue to come under scrutiny. Um, And it's a it's an amazing reversal. Um, You know, uh, last summer. Well, I mean, if you look at a political article from a year ago, he was he was talking about running against Mitt Romney. Um, He was definitely promoting Melissa Holyoke in his office to run for attorney general to replace him. And then in September, he doesn't name Tim Ballard, but he announces he's going to seek reelection as um, AG, you know, because a patriot and a hero is going to run. Everybody knew he was talking about Tim Ballard. Then Melissa Holyoke in his office decides to apply for an FTC position, which I think she she has secured. And and then, you know, on Friday, he announces he's not going to seek reelection. So, um, you know, I I I, I want to commend him. I, I think uh, he would have had I mean, he may have been reelected despite all this, but I think he he would have had a tough road ahead of him and you know he's been there for a, a full decade he started in um i believe in 2013 or and so um so he'll he'll be attorney general for 11 years which is probably the longest in our state's history and you know he's he's had some accomplishments i don't want to take away from that but i do think um he had certainly lost the confidence of the legislature and i think he was starting to lose the confidence of the general public so i think that this is a good move for him
0: yeah i mean to your point he was Riding pretty high, maybe a year and a half ago, yeah. And I think there was a lot of buzz, even uh, even nationally, that that he would uh, run against Romney or run if Romney retired, and was uh, a lot of folks were like, he must be the front runner, and um, so things can change in politics. But you know, he, he's probably looking at this race thinking that it's going to be super tough, and he he very well may not win, probably won- wouldn't, depending on the competition. We'd have to see. Um, but I'm glad that he, I think he made the right decision here. It's good to see in politics, people say, you know what, um, some bad things have happened. And even if he doesn't think it's his fault, you know, some bad, very bad things did happen. And he was, he was very close to it. So yeah, um, I think it's a good thing.
1: If you read the screenplay that he wrote uh, for Sound of Freedom that he sent to Tim Ballard, that that has come out publicly and, you know, he wrote it about himself and it's, it's quite interesting he he described himself as one of the top four republicans in the nation um and that he would go on to you know become utah's governor and then run for the white house i mean it mm-hmm. it's uh it's you know it's it's quite interesting to read that you know what he wrote about himself a couple of years ago what he wanted to see in the movie said about him as opposed to where he is today
0: mm. yeah that is interesting so uh just as interesting will be uh, you got to think that other people are gonna jump into this now now that it's wide open. So
1: yeah, I've heard Brett Tolman's name mentioned, not from Brett himself, but uh he's the former U.S. attorney for Utah. Um, yeah, if, if it's an open field, you you might see six or seven candidates. I do think that um Dan McKay and Derek Brown would certainly be the front runners just because they've, you know, they've they've held elected office before and they're fairly well-known names, at least among um Utah delegates. But, you know, Celeste Malloy showed us uh, this year that any anything can happen. So
0: this past Tuesday, Governor Cox released his 2024 budget. It included $854 million in new spending for public education. That's a and also a 5% jump in per pupil funding known as uh, weighted pupil unit WPU's something you talk about all the time. That's an increase of 211 million. So an additional 33.9 million increase also to rural students for WPU. That's for education. Outside of that, 4.7 million to expand Utah's child tax credit. 157 million to give state employees a raise. Good for them. And a proposal to remove employee protections for state workers moving them from career service to at-will positions. Now, I really hope the legislature takes that up. I like that one a lot. I guarantee public employees will not like that one, Mm -hmm. but I think the public will. And then $128 million towards emergency homeless shelters. That's quite a bit of money. And I know that this is an area that he's been focused on quite a bit. Um, So I'm interested to hear more about that because that is a a lot of money. This year, no tax cuts. We'll see if the legislature does it, but he's not proposing it. So Todd, take it away. Any thoughts on the budget?
1: Well, I I want people to understand because, you know, I I get emails some years that says, you know, do your job and pass the governor's budget. So that's (laughs) not my job. So if you look at our state constitution, which nobody, almost nobody does, um, the legislature holds the purse strings. This is very similar to the federal level where Congress holds the purse strings. So we have a statute um, that a prior governor asked because governors in Utah were proposing budgets. And so a prior governor said to the legislature, "Will you just put it in statute that we're supposed to propose a, gov- uh, a budget. So we did that. And the governor has to propose a budget in, 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 about this time, mid-December is when, it, early December is when it usually comes out. Um, but it's the legislature that holds the purse rings and and, and we will ultimately um, do a budget. Now, do we completely disregard the governor's budget proposal? No, he's got a talented staff and Governor Herbert, much more so than his um, predecessors, has collaborated with legislative leaders, um, leadership uh, in the past two years in developing his budgets or three years. Um, this year's a little bit different because Governor Herbert did not include a tax cut. And I think Speaker Schultz um, wants to start off his tenure as the House Speaker with with, an, uh, with another tax cut. Now, we've had three in the past four years. So this would be a fourth. Um, and I, I don't think Stuart Adams has ever... Met a tax cut that he didn't like, and so I think it's very God likely. Bless him for that. Yeah, I think it's very likely that the legislature will be pushing another tax cut. Now, Governor Cox could, you know, veto a budget um, that the legislature passes if it has a big tax cut and he didn't want one. He's up for reelection this year, so I don't see him doing that. And you know, there's a good chance that that veto would be overridden by two thirds vote with a Republican supermajority. So my guess right now is that we will have some type of tax cut again. Uh, this will be the fourth out of the last fifth years. And, you know, I, I, I often hear from um, disgruntled people that, you know, Utah's, you know, our tax burden is so high and we're always raising taxes and uh, you, you know, and if you can pick out some things that, you know, the taxes has gone up, but overall we've been cutting taxes, like I said, um, Three times in the past four years. So, um, I, um, you know, this the, the school uh, population. You know, when I joined the legislature, we would get about ten to thirteen thousand more students every year. Now that's flattened off, and it's actually going to start decreasing. I think we're going to have three thousand less uh, K through twelve students this year than we did last year, and it looks like for the next decade or two that that's going to be going down. So. You know, um, when the population was going up, the education advocates were thumping their chests up at the Capitol Hill, saying, "You have to fund growth in education." You're not going to hear any of them say, "Well, you can do some cuts now because our popular student population that 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 that, that will never happen because they're always about more money, more money, more money." Um, and uh, and I think we will increase the WPU this year, but um, I know we're getting like the UEA and others are asking for you know really really high increases when last year was the highest increase we'd ever done so um it, it just kind of goes to my theory that no matter how much money you give to public education they're always going to say it's not enough give us more 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 and i'm not saying that they don't deserve more but it's interesting you know that they we had the highest ever investment in public education last year and and they have just upped their expectations for this year cuz traditionally we'll increase the WPU maybe 4% on an average And they're asking for like double or triple that um, right now. So it's an interesting budget. It's going to lead off on some debates. Um, I'm not sure that all of his priorities will get funded at those levels, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next three months.
0: Yeah, I mean, just like uh, the state level, same as the federal level, the president puts out a budget and then- It's kind of a wish list. Essentially uh, a wish list. These are my priorities. Yeah. And uh, if anyone's ever taken a look at the Biden administration, since Biden's been in office, his budgets are just completely off the wall, insane, asking for stuff that in a million years would never happen, and it's 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 getting sillier and sillier at the federal level. But I think um, obviously Governor Cox is pretty serious about these, and yeah, and it will be interesting to see how they're they're dealt with.
1: Yeah, and one interesting thing he did put in a uh, a big request for. Basically free uh, UTA last year, and and he has dropped that this year. The the legislature didn't fund that last year, and and so it was interesting to me that he did not. Uh, he's given up on that at least for now. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, there's good arguments on both sides. The argument against it is, if you're paying to buy a car, paying to put gas in your car, paying for insurance on your car, so you can get to work and back, why should somebody else have the taxpayers pay for their transportation to work and back? So. You know, there's 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 good arguments for, there's good arguments against, and
0: obviously they basically do because if you're buying a UTA bus ticket, it's substantially less than the actual cost.
1: Yeah, so so the government is already subsidizing about 70 percent. I make I made that number up, but about seventy percent. If you are paying to ride UTA, you're not paying the full price. So
0: the Utah Board of Education. This past week, or recently at least, passed a measure requiring all public colleges in Utah to draft resolutions outlining protections for free speech for students and the community members. The policies must include a commitment to neutrality for each institution and its leaders. Public universities in the state must refrain, this is the quote, must refrain from taking public positions on political, social or unsettled issues that do not directly relate to the institution's mission, role, or pedagogical objectives. Say hallelujah. So the <laughs> universities must include a policy that doesn't allow for groups to shout out over others while detailing how a school would intervene in that situation. And it, it kind of follows on the recent events that uh it took place at the University of Utah. And if we have time, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But basically students um, from a, a left wing student group shouted down and disrupted a conservative meeting and they had to be taken out by police. Okay, but in a speech uh, to education leaders this week, Governor Cox said, quote, protesting, that's great. We want young people to explore their ideas and to learn that maybe some of their ideas are wrong. However, we will not on our campuses in Utah permit groups of students from canceling other people in their views at their events. Protest if you want, but you have to make space for others. He said, I do not care what your position is on Israel and Palestine. I don't. I don't care what your position is on Roe v. Wade. We don't need our institutions to take a position on those things. Yes, 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 yes. What we saw this past week from the presidents of these Ivy League schools, Harvard and Penn and MIT is just scandalous. It is, it just, it highlights the the rot that is within our universities, within our elite institutions. I mean, what it really, they, they were, each of them, not only would they not respond. So for those who didn't see, you had Representative Stefanik asking each of them, do, will it, would it violate your student code of conduct as it relates to harassment if a student called for the genocide of Jews, and of Israel? And they wouldn't answer it. Not only would they not answer it, they smirked and had this look on their face like, like they were pulling something over, like, ah, this lady's dumb, and we're going to go back to the faculty lounge and just make fun of her and say mean things about her later. They had no idea how foolish they looked.
1: And the one that and, smirked, she did resign on, she was from Penn. Um, she resigned on Saturday
0: afternoon. That's great. There are so many donors of Penn, very, you know, billionaires who have said they're not going to donate a single dime more until she's gone. Including and, the
1: Huntsman family. So,
0: Including Huntsman, yeah, we talked about yeah. that. Yeah. But what this demonstrates, though, is these, this is how they, they talk to each other. They are in these echo chambers where they speak to each other in this way, and it's totally acceptable. And they didn't even realize that the, when they went out into the public, that the public, general public Americans are like, would not receive it in the same way. Americans are like, you guys are crazy. This is completely nuts. No, yeah. that's unacceptable. They, they had no idea. And it's just, it's, it's revealing of where we are with our elite institutions. And it's not just the elite universities. It's also our elite media. It's also Hollywood. It's also uh, the uh, um, elite journalism um, in our newspapers and, in uh, mainstream media, that that's where they're at is they have these echo chambers and they feel like they talk to their friends in a certain way. And then they turn around and talk to the public and the public's like, no, 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 we know who the bad guys are. Like we, <laughs> this is, this is not a tough call for us. Like, no, we, we know who the bad guys are. It's the, it's the people, it's the terrorists who did the raping, did the murdering, uh, burned babies, baked babies, uh, beheaded people. Yeah, that's not a tough call. We know who the bad guys are. But anyway, I wanna say thank you, Governor Cox, for taking this issue and pushing it. And our Board of Education takes a lot of heat, sometimes rightly so, but this is a great move. Thank you. It's exactly what should happen. It's not happening in a whole lot of states. It's not happening in a whole lot of democratic states. They're just letting it go. You know, they're allowing this stuff to happen. And in Utah, I love it. There's a sheriff in town and you're not going to do this stuff. What do you think, Todd?
1: Well, I agree with your sentiments. Just to clarify, our, our state board of education is over K through 12. So we have a board of regents. Oh, geez. Who, you know what? Uh, I got that wrong. Yeah. So the board of regents is over the public universities. So gotcha. whatever they do, it wouldn't apply to like uh, Westminster or BYU because they're private institutions. Um and so it would apply to the University of Utah, Weber State, Utah State, et cetera, SUU, um, et cetera. So no, I, I agree with you 100%. And this whole idea, I mean, this is really the woke agenda breaking down because um, the, the whole woke agenda, BLM, all of this stuff, they talk about you know the the oppressed. And so they, they see the Palestinians as the oppressed minority. And so um, they, they are, are not willing to, you know, they're they're willing to allow anti-Semitic um um speech at their um woke universities because because that's what their uh playbook tells them to do. And and so you saw you know the president of Penn kind of saying, Yeah, if, if someone's calling for the genocide of Jews, you know, unless they're if it's just speech, yeah, that's that that wouldn't probably violate our policies unless they're stepping that up into conduct. And people were horrified at that. Even the White House, even Joe Biden's White House came out and said, wait a second, what? What the?" And so, yes, yeah, she really stepped in it, as did the other. They, they, I think they all looked silly. Um, Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, instead of um, jumping on the side of most Americans, Saturday Night Live went and they made fun of um, Representative Stefanik. I don't know how to say her name, um, instead of making fun of uh, uh, what the president said. But in any event, it's it's interesting to see that she's resigned. Now, I want to point out this this president of Penn. Um, she is still going to be a tenure tenured professor at Penn. She's not leaving the university. She's still going to be reinforcing these, um, you know, telling students that it's okay for the them to you know shout anti Semitic
0: uh, genocidal chants. So um, you know what they actually said. I should have said this before. Is that yeah. she kept saying if there were. Conduct conduct that, yeah that may or that may violate our policy like yeah call, so you can call for the genocide of Jews, yeah, as long as there's no conduct like what is the conduct the actual killing?
1: Well, the killing or or physical abuse of Jewish students you know on campus and again, the, she's following the liberal playbook, and that is you have to side with the Palestinians the uh, and the Hamas specifically yeah. in this dispute because they're the oppressed and, and, and Israel is, and the Jews are seen as the, the oppressors. And it's just, uh, it's almost like, you know, world war II and the Holocaust never happened. So yeah, I, I I like, I like this move from the board of regents. I like um, Governor Cox's leadership on this. And I I think it's so sad, you know, because uh, this is why Americans America's youth is losing confidence in in colleges and college education is not valued as much as it was even 10 years ago. And the studies are irrefutable uh, that, you know, teens today are like, no, I, I don't necessarily need a college education. And, you know, colleges used to go be places where you went and you had your, you had your beliefs kind of challenged and you had to, you know, defend them and think about them. And now somehow we've regressed and, you know, like nobody should ever be uh, uncomfortable, or nobody should ever have to hear any speech that makes them uh, feel anxious, and 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 we're just coddling these college students and and trying to protect them from any um, different ideas that might not completely you know coincide with their little agendas, and it's it's just a sad state of academia. I mean, I we need we need these colleges to focus on research and and academics and and focus less on politics and 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 uh, political agendas.
0: Well said. And finally, I, I want to give props to the University of Utah. So I mentioned a minute ago that there was a U- University of Utah student group uh, called, I-, I don't know what it, how do you pronounce it, Mecca or Mecha. It, it's span—it's Spanish for fuse or wick. And the group describes itself as anti-imperialist, anti-colonial socialist. Of course they do. I and mean, basically it's a crazy college leftist group. And so anyway... This group tried to disrupt an event sponsored by the Young Americans for Freedom Club. It's a conservative club on campus. And afterward, and so the disruption lasted for 15 minutes. The police tried to push them out. They wouldn't go. They they locked their arms together. Yeah, locked locked their arms together and refused to leave. And so afterwards, the University of Utah took the very welcome step of sending a letter saying that we withdraw our school sponsorship from the club because of that behavior.
1: And those students have been criminally charged now.
0: Yeah, and now it's gone even further. It's that uh, several members of this group have been charged with misdemeanors. And again, I just love it. Way to go, University of Utah. Props to you for doing this, for for being the adult in the room. This is a school. This is a college. You are the adults. These are the kids. (laughs) They don't get to run. They don't get to run the place. You get to see, there are rules and they need to follow those rules. And if they don't, there are going to be consequences. And as I think most of these kids, if not all of them were students. So we'll see if they also get booted or have some sort of-
1: And, and you sanction. know, Corey, there's extremists on the left, there's extremists on the right. And and I generally don't um, condone extremist behavior, but it's very rare if, if almost never unheard of that uh, conservatives are moving in and trying to stop- a liberal message from being delivered. Now they might, they might protest outside, they might have signs and stuff, but they don't go in and try to say, you can't speak, you know, but it is, um, it is, is now like expected, like, like if a Ben Shapiro type, you know, goes on to a university that, 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 that there's going to be an attempt to completely disrupt it so that he can't deliver his message. He can't answer questions from students. And, I just don't understand how they think that that's okay. I mean, we don't live in a communist country, you know. the The whole idea of a free exchange of ideas, even ideas that you don't like or agree with, that's been somehow lost, um, you know, in, in 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 our academic circles. and And it's you know, it's just bewildering to me.
0: Yeah. To watch. Totally agree, and it's really just refreshing to see school administration that's not afraid of the students. Instead, they're they're willing to do their jobs. <laughs>
1: yeah, just a few months ago, there was a conservative um, judge that was speaking at Stanford, and the students completely shouted him down. And like the the dean of the law school originally was kind of backing the students. You know, you've yeah. got a judge, and Mike Lee, I know, tweeted about that at the time. And it's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. Um, how off track uh, some of our um um universities have you know they've just gone completely rogue um on these issues and and now it's okay to shout down someone that you don't agree with i i don't get it i just don't get it all right we'll leave it right there thank you todd thank you Corey. oh let like, can i mention one last thing so yep. rfk junior sued the state of utah because our he said that our um our declaration date for independent presidential candidates was too early So the state has tentatively made a deal that they won't disqualify him for not filing the first week of January that he'll have at least until the first week of March. And I I do think, um, and I'm running a bill to to, to reset the date probably in June. I do think when we moved our filing deadline up for all the other candidates to the first week of January, I don't think that we gave proper uh, consideration to how that would affect an independent candidate for president. Yeah. And so um, we're we're going to fix that. I've been in. Um, I, I'm running my bill, uh, you know, the Senate president and the Speaker of the House. I've, I've been coordinating with them. I actually opened this bill file last June because I saw this coming. Um, and so, you know, props to RFK Jr. Some people are saying, oh, well, Utah's backing down because we think that that's going to help Trump win Utah. No, Trump will Trump or whatever, the, whoever the Republican nominee, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, whoever it is, they're going to win Utah regardless of RFK. Um, We're doing this because we want to make sure that, you know, we have an equal playing ground for independent candidates for
0: president. Well, that's a good thing. And uh, just Just, a quick note. I mean, we talked about this before, but I, I'm not convinced that RFK takes more from Biden than from than from Trump at this point. No, in fact, he he's on
1: record saying he'll, he thinks he'll take more from Trump, but it's interesting because on a national poll with those three, uh, Trump and, and Biden are in the high 30s, and RFK is like on, you know, between 24 and 28. Um, and this is a year, I mean, th- 11 not- months out from the election. So, I mean, I don't know that he'll win a single state, but boy, he could sure make things interesting
0: in a swings in some of these swing states. Yep. Brands, remember, this guy's pro abortion and the support of the Green New Deal. Do not vote and for he's him.
1: He's anti vax, and that's enough for some <laughs> and So,
0: I don't right. know. Thanks, Todd. All right. Take care, Corey. We'll see you next
1: week.